Good morning, church. I say Merry Christmas, but hey, that was a couple of days ago, right? We have a new year just around the corner, and hopefully you're looking forward to celebrating with family and friends. It's always good at the holidays to see uh, family visiting, students home from college, family in from out of town. So if you're visiting with us today with family or uh, you're back for a short time before you head back to college, where it may be, uh, we're glad you're here. Um, this is what we're going to do today. You know, sort of thinking about this. Um, the year 2019 is coming to an end, right? <laughs> Did I just hear an amen? Maybe not. Um, some of you maybe are glad about that. If you're like me, you've probably received multiple emails. You maybe saw somewhere on social media, uh, maybe um, a letter or something. Basically, people's saying, "Hey, let's look back over this past year and reminisce about." all the things that have taken place, and, and they want you to sort of jaunt your memory and go back and think about all these things, and that, that's sort of what happened to me, and so I was doing that. But here's the thing. Uh, I received an email that said, don't just look over this past year, but over the past decade. We're heading into a new decade. Think about that. And what has taken place in not just this last year, but a whole decade? See, here's the thing. Technology just jumps and leaps and bounds and um, there's a lot of different things all, all over this. So I'm just, let me hit some categories. Entertainment, okay? Now, I am not a, uh, the Game of Thrones guy, but the Game of Thrones finale, the Rise of Skywalker, and then uh, Avengers Endgame, they all released their, um, their year, sort of the end of their story happened this year. That's a lot of endpoints and sagas that viewers have been following now for like a decade or more. Matter of fact, we went to go see Rise of Skywalker, a good old Star Wars movie, and my son was like, Dad, how does it feel to watch the first one in the movie theater and the last one in the movie theater? And I was like, I don't think I'm allowed to say shut up in church, but I felt that, right? Uh, but I was like, wow, that made me feel old. And then not just entertainment, what's happened last decade, but in sports, he said some of the top ten moments they said out of the last decade, yeah, thinking of the Chicago Cubs fans over in that section right over there. Um, Chicago Cubs winning a World Series, they said in the last decade, that was one of the most memorable. And then um, here's another thing, memes, okay? Some of us didn't even know what a meme was, but now it, it's like 10 years ago that these weren't around, but now everybody pulls them out of their phones like, hey, check out this meme I got, you know? And they're like sharing these all the time, Right? Um, then there's the change in our food culture. Now, people wait in line now for elaborate milkshakes and avocado toast. I don't know what that's all about. But there's delivery apps. There's meal delivery food kits now that things just get sent to your house. You want to order online, pull up your phone, put in what you're going to pick up, and then drive over and pick it up. I mean, in the last decade, think what's happened in the food industry. Okay, uh, Esports is a term that rose in prominence over the last 10 years. See, gaming used to be in your basement at your mom and dad's house. Now it's a professional career for money. How do I tell my boys, hey, quit playing video games like, Dad, I can make millions. And in the, Years ago, we'd say, no, you can't. Now it's like, yes, you can. Um, and that's sort of scary, right? By the way, Fortnite did not rank number one. Neither did uh, League of uh, Legends or Pokemon Go. It was actually Minecraft was the number one game in the last decade. So anyway, now I'm going to go back a little bit further now. That was a decade. And um, for some of you in the older generation here, you're going to understand this one. 
Um, think back to the first phone you had, okay? Now, the younger generation, they're like, this is my first phone I've ever had. My first phone that I dealt with was connected to a line that was connected to the wall, and it had this little rotary dial. So I was like, six, three, three, four, four, oh. Six, three, three, because if you messed up, you had to start all over again, right? And then we graduated from the rotary phone to a touch tone. Yeah, you touch those in there. And then we got rid of that. Now we were cordless. Now the size of the phone was about, you know, the size of a milk carton. You know, hold it up to your head. It was a big one, but it was, now it was cordless. I could walk anywhere. And then we get into pagers and, and um, flip phones, sliders, right? To the iPhone now and the cell phones. We can have a face-to-face conversation with a person in another country. Look at them. Hey, remember back in the day, it's like, man, I hope nobody can see me now when I'm talking to them on the phone. Now they can, right? Think of the progression of technology over the years. Now, think of this other things that have gone on. It's been a decade of... Um, Broadway uh, revivals, comic book heroes, uh, polarizing politics that separate us, hashtag me too, just to name of the few things that were big topics this year and in the last couple years that really divided our nation or would cause discussion. Uh, almost it felt like our culture was being torn apart at the seams at times over all these different conversations, right? And as we learned over the decade, and not just this past year, but these things almost make you feel like we're living in a very dark time, right? Um, And it's easier to dwell on and lament over all those negative things. But in the darkness, let me remind you that a light has come. That a light has come 2,000 years ago, which we've celebrated the last couple weeks, to come into a world, a culture that seems dark at times, and uh, obviously more powerful than the darkness. So in considering this past year, maybe past decade, and even longer, there have been so many changes, and I'll hit on what all this means later. But I want you now just to focus on this past year. I want you to reminisce back to the good and the bad, the joyful moments and the not-so-joyful moments. What would you write down if, I, if, if you just took three minutes, got a piece of paper and a pen, and just started writing? Oh, I'm sorry, technology. If you pulled out your iPad and you just started writing it down, right? What would come on your list? What would be on that list? So that's what I did. My mind was shooting from one thought to another, but here's what I wrote down. Fractures, dislocation, surgery, skin cancer, salvation, revival, camp, new friendships, Funerals, weddings, sporting events. And uh, my list continued to go down of all the things that were going over my mind over the last year. But two words I wrote down at the very end of my list. Unfair and perseverance. Those are two words that concluded my list, so to say. That if I look at that, I'm thinking, man, this is so unfair. But then there's that perseverance. Keep going. Never give up. Because there's still things to celebrate, still good things to do. And this morning's message, and if you're here visiting, um, I don't think I have a rhythm for preaching. Like, well, he does this, he does this, he does this. I don't think I have one. Somebody like, yeah, you do. You say this a lot and you do that a lot. I may, may not, okay? 
But for some of you who are visiting, you maybe you go to a church, you've been a part of a church where the pastor has like a three-point sermon or a certain outline. I don't have that today. My message to you this morning uh, is more resembles a mere rambling of my mind and, and thoughts and lessons that God has laid upon my heart in dealing with basically this. The changes in life, negative and bad, and through all those changes... Is there a God who doesn't change? Is there a God who can be faithful to me when life seems so unpredictable and unfair? So that's sort of where I'm going with today's scripture. And, and here's the thing. So at the end of the year 2019, I want us all to sort of look back over this year. All that's taken place. And I don't want you just looking at the bad and listening to the bad. I want you to list the good. What have you celebrated this year? What was one of those moments when you laughed so hard that maybe milk shot out of your nose? You were just laughing so hard. Did you have one of those moments? Did you have one of those moments where you just like you you just start to giggle and like even right now you might start shaking and it's like, oh yeah, I remember that, right? See, we look forward to a new year and we begin to think about the good and the bad. And but for some of us, here's the thing: we always say, hey, you got a New Year's resolution. So here's what happens: if it's a New Year's resolution, then what we're doing is we're looking on what the bad. Because we want to make a change, right? For some of us, it's like, well, it comes down to all about the cookies, right? And the holiday food. And we had some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, we were very blessed to be filled with a lot of sugar at our, at our get-togethers. And there was a lot of cookies. And there was a lot of desserts. And even last night, halfway through the game, I'm going, I was starting to feel guilty after a couple of cookies. And I grabbed one piece of celery stick. It's like, yeah, now I'm healthy. To make myself feel less guilty, right? But usually the New Year's resolutions has something to do with a change that I want to make in my life. So we get the gym membership. We get the exercise equipment, which basically two months into the new year, we stop going to the gym because it's, I don't want to get up early or I'm tired. Or we, that exercise equipment we bought becomes next summer's garage sale or we put it on eBay and get rid of it, right? That's sort of what happens. Uh, we sort of lose the momentum, but it's all about I need to make a change. Because something happened this last year in your life or my life that says, I need to change this. Something needs to happen. Something different. So as you maybe look at that list and you think about what took place in your life, um, what, what was it? What in your past has caused you to look at life differently for the future? Think about your past. What's caused you to question or doubt? What situations your past maybe just hit you in the mouth and knocked you down and just sort of stood over, over you and like, don't get up today. And you just sort of laid there like, I don't want to get up today. We've, had all, we've all had those moments in life. And here's the thing, though. Those things happen to everyone all around the world. And it's very easy to isolate ourselves and think it's just happening to me, but it's happening to everyone. Sometimes, you know, when those things happen, then we, we want to we help people, right? Because we, we, we were like, I want to help you feel better. And so we come out with all those cliche sayings and all those wonderful poems and verses. And, hey, I'll pray for you because we know what to say, right? But then when it happens to us and people bring those cliche words and you're like, yeah, it, it seems sort of hollow. Because it's like, I appreciate what you're saying. I appreciate the card you sent. But right now, I'm just sort of lamenting over what went on. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to let you know you're not alone. 
and I want to share with you how to handle this. So grab your Bibles, and you're going to open up your Bibles, and you're going to turn them to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We can bring one to you. We got some in the back against the wall there. Second Corinthians chapter 11. We'll be reading out of Scripture, starting verse 23. And Paul's been having a conversation, and Paul's, I'm telling you, he was once named Saul. He was a very educated, elite man of religion and knowledge, and uh, well-respected, and, and just an incredible leader, right? But he hated Christians, and he had this God-change moment, where then his name was changed to Paul, and then now he started living for God, and his life really got turned upside down. And he's having this conversation with people. And finally he's like, I don't mean to brag, but it's time for me to say something. So verse 23 says this. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a man-man, but I've served him far more. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I've faced death again and again. And now he's going to get specific. Verse 24. Five different times for Jewish leaders, uh, the, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Now, now look at that list that Paul just gives us, okay? Start in verse 24. He says this, Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now understand this, when you were whipped Typically, the whip had three strips of leather on the end. On those three strips of leather, you might find pottery or broken glass or a hook or something sharp that was weaved into that leather. So that when it hit your back and, or your bare skin and pulled it across, it would shred your skin as well. 39 times with that kind of a whip, multiply that by what? Five? What was the number there? Three. Three, right? 39 lashes times, that's 117 scars. Or Paul says this, but he was whipped five times. So multiply that 117 by five, and you got 585 scars left on your body, basically because you have faith in Christ. And me, I'm like, um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I had this growth on my hand, and they had to cut it out, and and. You can squint. You can see the scar, you know? And Paul's like, nice scar, dude. You want to see my 585? Was that a tattoo? No, it's my scars or my body. I'm sure growing up as a child, he never thought his body would take that kind of beating. Goes on to say three times he's beaten with rods. What's that? 
Typically, to be beaten with a rod is, means you were placed on your back, they grabbed the bottom of your feet, and they lifted up, took your sandal off, and you got your bare foot exposed on the bottom of your foot. They'd take a, a metal rod or a, a very thick wooden stick, and they would just <laughs> pulverize the bottom of your foot until it was bruised or bleeding, and basically, you couldn't walk, if ever, again. Three times that happened to Paul. I'm sure he never planned for that to take place in his life. Once Paul, he says, once I was stoned. Now, this is where I always got to pause because the younger generation says, like, the dude got stoned? It's like, not that kind of stone, okay? <laughs> this kind of stoning dealt with actual stones and rocks, okay? And people would pick up those rocks and those stones and throw them at you until you were dead. It says in Acts 14, verses 19, to 20 says, Then some Jews arrived at Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowds on their side. They got everybody to join them, like, all right, you're like, yeah, and they all fired up, right? And it says, Then they stoned Paul and they dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. So they're sitting there just whipping rocks at him, throwing at him, and he's bleeding, and he's like, he's not moving anymore, and they're like, he's dead. They drag him outside of town and just leave him. And it goes on to say in the next verse, verse 20, but the believers gathered around him and he got up and went back into town. Now that is amazing to me because one, he got up. Two, he went back into town. Back where they threw the rocks to begin with, right? Oh, before Rocky Balboa was Rocky Paul here, okay? Because, and no pun intended, but he didn't give up. He's like, I'm going back for more, right? Miraculously, that's what happens. I'm sure that wasn't in his date plan. Let's see, get stoned, come back to life, and go walk back into town and laugh at him. Oh, no. Three times he was shipwrecked. Now, just once. Three times. Can you imagine? Left at sea, drifting out in the waters all night long and another day, maybe. Wondering, are you going to get rescued? What a terrible feeling. I mean, then again, he could be out there floating, thinking, well, at least I'm not getting beaten with a rod. At least I'm not getting whipped right now. Right? I'm sure Paul never signed up for another voyage like that, believing that, you know, it could be another wreck, right? Did he have a fourth missionary trip? Did he get ready to get on that ship again? Think, hmm, what's my history with boats? Let's see, should I get on this or not? Paul's list continues. And, and here's the thing. None of us can even compare with this. All of us in this room have heartaches and troubles and disappointments and problems, right? Is that fair to say? And then we look at Paul's list and we're like, ah, wow. <laughs> but there's one word I think we could all share with that would be unfair. I'm sure Paul could have very easily said after assessing all this, you know, this is really unfair, God. I signed up to give my life to you, to share the gospel with others, to tell them the good news to write all these incredible letters to encourage churches. And this is what I get. It just seems so unfair, right? I remember when Colin was in sixth grade playing football and, and, and he, a certain play took place and uh, his opponent broke the rules, um, but Colin got penalized. And his penalty basically erased the touchdown that we just scored. And I know what happened. He was unjustly penalized. And he was so upset. And I remember uh, talking, I went into the huddle and we had called a timeout. And I could see sort of tearing up in his eyes. And he was angry. And he's like, this is unfair. And it's like, yeah, we all get that, right? Uh, some of us probably last night were screaming at the TV. 
unfair, right? I don't like that call, right? We get it, right? But here's the thing. Did he give up? Did he, did he quit the game? He's like, I'm not, not going to play anymore. He's like, well, here's what happened. He went back into the huddle basically mad as a hornet, okay? And he gave him the opportunity, let's run this in play again. Let's go at it again. And he tried it again, and it worked. See, when I, when I look up at the past year, and I look at my list, fractures, surgeries, cancer, false accusation, lies, disappointment. It's easy to get mad. It's easy to get disappointed and sad. It really is. And when I look at, here's, here's the thing, but when I look at the tragic things that happens to other people, then I realize I might actually be having a good day compared to them. Because there's stuff going on to other people too, not just me. While I'm celebrating Christmas, your husband passed away. And Jeannie, our prayers have been with you and will continue to be with you. Some of us don't realize when we're having a good moment, somebody else is not having a good moment. What can be an exciting day can now be filled with lament and sorrow. And, and for some of you, maybe you're watching the football game yesterday. You, you watched maybe part of the LSU-Oklahoma game and you found out like just hours before that game started, one of the... Uh, the Offensive coordinator for LSU, his daughter-in-law was in a plane crash. She was on her way to the game, and she was in a plane crash, a small plane, and she died. And just hours before the game, they go on the field to tell him, your daughter-in-law was killed in an accident. And this is supposed to be an exciting moment for him. He's getting ready for a big game, and and now he's got to lament the death of his daughter-in-law and feeling sorry for his son and the rest of the family. In moments like that, we just want to scream, unfair. This is so unfair, right? But let me ask you this, church. Did God ever say life would be fair? Please tell me in the scriptures where it says life shall be fair. It's not in there, is it? It's not in there. Matter of fact, he told us we'd face problems and troubles and strive. He said there'd be burdens, there'd be fears, there'd be worries. But he reminded us, here's the thing. He reminded us we wouldn't be alone during any of that. In the midst of all the unfairness and the troubles and the worries and the things that go on, God says, I'm right here with you. I'm not leaving you. He gives us his very spirit to keep us going, just like he did Paul. He offers to take our burdens and replace our burdens with with joy, and he replace our fears with hope. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 to 34, in verse 34, we're told not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough problems of its own, right? Well, the verse prior to that one talks about the cure for anxiety. The cure is found in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Put our hope, our focus on God, on how right and how true he is. The cure is to seek God's kingdom. Put my eyes on God, not on myself, because it's so easy to put our eyes on ourselves and the, the situations that we go through and the troubles that we go through. And that, that's easy, right? So I look at my list. I look at the bed and I say, hey, I don't like this. But let me remind you this. God doesn't like it either. He looks at your list, your past, your present, says, I don't like that either. Do we really think God is a God who hates people? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you. Now look at this last part of the verse. Not wanting anyone to perish God doesn't want anyone to die and be separated from him in eternity. God doesn't want to send people to hell. He says what? He wants everyone to come to repentance. 
So for those of us who have listened to the lie that God doesn't care, that God sends people to hell, that is a lie. God does love you. God does want to save you. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants all to come to repentance. So when we look at our things and what's going on in our life and say, man, it's, it's been a rough year. You know what? God says, I know, and I don't like it either. But for a moment, would you seek first the kingdom of God? Tell me, what good have you seen this year? Everybody take a second. Think about what good you've seen this past year. What moment can you step back and say, that was, that was incredible. That was a God thing. Did you have one of those? You forget the successful surgeries and the moments of healing. What about those who gave their life to Jesus Christ this year? Those who were baptized. Those who were at camp. 25 kids came forward and gave their life to Christ. Many were falling on their knees and just weeping before God. How many times have we said, yay God, or praise God to answer prayer this year? Dozens? Weekly? Daily? You know you've said, yay God. You know you've said, praise God. And the list goes on, and, and through it all, we can praise God in the good times and in the bad times. God wants to be with us. God is still God. So today, as I've asked you to assess your past, presently look at our lives, and we can see this. There, there's been doubt, but there's also direction. There has been sorrow, but there's also been joy. And there is fear, but there's also been hope. Because with everything that comes our way, God gives us the supplement we need to survive it. And so we have a choice to look at the truth and to look at the faithfulness of God and say, I trust him. Or I can choose to live in the past, question God, and be stuck in the muck of the world. In your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy, uh, Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, I want you to turn to uh, chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Here's the thing. I, we talked about all the changes that go on in this world, the technology advancement, all the things that change on. Let me, let me remind you of something that does not change. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Verse 9 says this, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. Period. goes on to say, He is the faithful God who keeps His covenant for a thousand generations and constantly loves those who love Him and obey His commands. Did you read that? He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and constantly loves those who love him and obey his commands. God is a faithful God. Technology changes. Our phones change. God does not change. He is a faithful God. From generation to generation, decade to decade, year to year, our God does not change. This past Christmas, a week ago today, we drove over to Indiana uh, to go uh, be with my family, my mom and dad's, and um, see my mom, and there's now 83 in the family. Uh, this is my brother's sisters and their kids. So we meet at the church. Uh, they have a, like a little gym recreation area that we can actually meet in and um, have a meal together. And somebody in the family is always in charge, one of the siblings. So my, my brother Mark was in charge this year. It's my turn next year. I have no idea how I'm going to top this one because I am a competitor. So, you know, you got to do your bros, right? So here's the thing. 
he put together a video starting with my grandparents on my mom's side and my grandparents on my dad's side and then the picture of my mom and dad and then they got married and then, and then Christmases together from the black and white pictures to today and our family members. It was with, with songs, uh, worship songs in the background and just watching the generation and he started off with the, with the family Bible. You know, our family's got one of those big Bibles about the size of this here, okay? And it was like, turn it up, you know, and it's, and it's got the family tree in it that was handed down, and it's like, and he started off with that picture, and our, our family's been blessed from generation to generation to be solid in God's word, and, and, I, and I look at that verse, and God says, I'm faithful from generation to generation. The, the problems you have today, and years ago, and years ago, I was there then, I will be there with you today and tomorrow as well. Twelve years ago, we lost a girl from our youth group, a 17-year-old girl. She was as spiritually mature as Mother Teresa, I'm telling you. She was a friend of ours. I coached her in volleyball. Uh, She was in our youth group, and um, our community mourned her loss. The school mourned. Her boyfriend, her family especially, and friends mourned. And and it it seemed like that day Satan had won. And that tragedy took place 12 years ago in the past. But let me tell you something. God was there. I'm not sure on numbers, but I will tell you this. There were probably over 1,000, if not 2,000 people that came to her viewing and her funeral. And they held it in the Washington High School gym, and, and all the seats were, were pretty full. And, and everybody in that gym heard the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through him. They heard it that day. As the funeral proceeded on, and, and, and I, I'm going to tell you something. That was Hollis Reeker's funeral. I'll, I'll never forget that moment. It's like, why? Right? And no matter what our past experiences are, or our present experience has been bad or good, God is still God in all of that. As he is today, he was then, and as he was in past generations. He is doing something amidst what we can't see in the surrounding circumstances. Grab your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, again, Paul's having this conversation. And again, here's the one who's been, had all these issues, right? The, the beating with the rods, the shipwreck, the whipping, the stoning. All this goes on, right? And this is what he has to say, starting in uh, verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or we're hungry, or we're destitute, or we're in danger, or we're threatened with death? That's a great question, Paul. Paul's like saying this. Listen, you got trouble in your life? Does that mean that God doesn't love you anymore? Because some of us feel that way, don't we? There's times when we're like, I've got problems going on in my life right now. God must not be here. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me because look what's going on. Paul says, does that mean that God doesn't love us anymore when we're going on this? Paul's going to answer that question. Look at verse 37. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victories ours through Christ who loved us. Verse 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's 
love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever, ever, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus the Lord. Knowing that God is still God, God above, nothing can separate us from the love of God, church. No matter what you've experienced in your past, no matter what you're experiencing today, God is still God, and he still loves you just as much as he did yesterday and years before, before you were even born. He loved you. And I encourage you, because he's loved you in the past and he loves you today, surrender to him and say, love me in the future, Lord. Love me tomorrow. Because tomorrow I might have something worse come along that I might get challenged. Help me love you tomorrow more than I love you today. Choose obedience over self-satisfaction. Here's the thing. Our future is unknown, but our God is not. Let me rewind even a little bit further back. It was about 18 years ago. A friend of mine passed away, too. He's a, he's a young dad. Uh, he, he grew up here in, in Wasion, moved to Hawaii. He had come back from Hawaii with family. He was in a car accident. He messed up his leg. Everybody thought everybody was fine. Went home and he came back to the hospital, some complications. Next you know, he was gone, blood clot. Took everybody sort of by surprise. And at the funeral, I was at the uh, Crossroads Church. I was, I was in the building there, um, walking through the building with preparation for the funeral. And, and uh, one of his newly friend, new friends, it was actually a recording agent out of, I believe it was Tennessee uh, or Nashville, um, with uh, the group called Skillet. Probably heard of Skillet before, right? A couple other groups out there. Um, he's walking around. He goes, hey, do you ever think of wanting to bring a band like Skillet in here and doing a concert? You've got a really nice building. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be sort of cool. I said, well, let's, let's work it out. I'd, I'd love to do that for you because Dave was a really good friend of ours, and, and we're going to miss him, and I'd love to do this for your church. So, okay, so we brought Skillet in. It was a sellout concert, right? And they said, we're going to present the gospel at the end of the concert, and you need to have a team ready and so that when anybody who gives their life to Christ and comes forward at the altar call, we can send them back to the room so you can pray with them and help them know what to do with the next steps and, and now how to live their life. So we had a team of people. We're in the back room. They had the altar call, and we're, like, waiting in the back room. They're like, this is going to be so awesome. People are going to come give their life to Jesus Christ, and nobody came back. And I was like, so tonight was just about pure entertainment, I guess. I was hoping for greater things, Right? Well, a few months later, I'm driving down the road. I'm listening to Yes FM, and on comes a radio uh, a guy they were interviewing, and he's like, listen, man, I had no idea who this Jesus Christ dude was. I didn't even listen to Christian music. Uh, I listened to a heavier uh, style music, and, and my friend said, hey, you ought to listen to, I've, I've got a group you ought to listen to. They sound just like the group you listen to, but it's better for your ears and, and uh, better language and better everything. And he's like, well, what's the group called? It's called Skillet. So he goes, so I heard Skillet was in Wasyan, just happened to be in Wasyan. So I went to that concert. I gave my life to Jesus Christ that night. I'm thinking, I about wrecked my car. I was like, what? Why didn't you come back to the room where I was? I would have loved to have known that, right? About a week or so later, we have a church baptism. Teenage girl, she gets up front and she's sharing her testimony. She goes, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior at the Skillet concert. I'm like, you too? Why don't you come back to the room? Next thing I know, here, people had given their life to Christ. They just didn't want to miss the next song. So none of them left the room. But people had given their life to Christ. Now, I don't know why my friend had to die on such a simple car accident. It seemed like he should have been okay. 
But because of his death, there's people that have new life. We would have never had that concert. Those people would have never had that opportunity at that moment. I, I don't understand how things unfold, but I know this God has a plan, and God was still God through all of that. Through all of that. And God wants to be with us, and sometimes we need that reminder. There's, you know, remember in the gospel at the times of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and remember in the temple when, when the veil, the thing that separated man from God, the only, you know, the high priest could be, and it ripped from top to bottom. Do you remember that story in the Bible? And basically when Christ's sacrifice was complete, God made it known to everybody, nothing's going to separate you and me. Nothing will separate us from their presence. He desires to be with us, right? Well, 12 years ago, I was preaching. This was over at the primary. We were at the primary school at that time. And I was preaching. And I was preaching, as I believe it was at Christmas. And I was talking about how Christ came into the world to remove the barrier between us and God. And as I'm preaching that, I don't know if anybody in here was there. But we had this big screen, like these screens there, but there's one screen that was right behind me. And as I was preaching about how God removed that barrier through Christ, it ripped from top to bottom. I've never seen it ripped the way it did. It just came down. And it was one of those holy moments where you're like, I think God's trying to speak to our church right now. That he wants nothing in the way of us and him. He wants all barriers removed, whatever it may be. Sin, disappointment, anger. What is this between you and God? Get rid of it. I want to be here with you. You need me. You need my peace is what, like what God was saying. So with that truth and with that hope, I want to challenge you, church. Look at this past year. Hey, we're coming into the new year. What New Year's resolutions do you want to make? What changes do you want to make? Something has caused us to want to make a change, right? What is it? Whatever it is you're dealing with from this past year, God is a faithful God that will meet you right where you're at with your past because he has from generation to generation, whether it's 12 years ago, 18 years ago, however many years ago it was, whether it was even this past week, God says, I want to meet you right now and remove anything between you and I. And I want to help you move forward in life. I want to be your God, not of the past, but of the future too. As we end this year and we recall all that's taken place, I want to encourage you to allow the God of this universe to help you piece together every day a little bit at a time. Allow His Spirit to guide you each and every way. Romans fifteen thirteen. Paul concludes his letter to his brothers and sisters in Christ with this scripture. And know that when somebody concluded their letter, they're like wrapping it up. They wanted to leave you some important thoughts. And Paul says this, I pray that the God, the source of hope, this is where our hope comes from, God. Think about this. He's that source of hope. It's like, I wonder if they will. That's not the kind of hope we're talking about. The kind of hope we're talking about is, I have the assurance that this will take place. That's the hope I have. We learned that one reason why God sent Christ into the world was to bring us hope, right? He is the source of hope. So Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with what? Joy and peace. Because you trust in him. Again, we just celebrated, as we just talked about this the last few weeks, and he summoned, he summoned all up together in the end of his letter, saying, the God of hope, the source of all hope, will bring you joy and peace and 
oh, just a couple drips of it? Just a little bit for today? Don't miss what Scripture says. We'll fill you up completely. Then it goes on to say this. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a, well, fill my cup, please, with a little bit of hope. No, it's like, I'm just going to let it pour over. Your cup's going to overflow. This is going to be one huge mess of hope and love and joy and peace. Here it comes. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody else can do that for you. As your pastor, I can't do that for you. I'm sorry. You can call me, text me, and whatever you want and say, will you pray for this? And you're going to hope, hope to find hope in me, in one of my prayers or my, my conversation with you. And here's the thing. I will console you. I will pray for you. But you know who's going to give you the real hope? God's Spirit. And you will find peace when you ask Him for help and not everybody else. Everybody else gives you false hope. Everybody helps you gloss it over. True hope comes from God above. So my question is this morning, I'm looking forward to this next year, how many of you want hope? How many of you want peace? Think about it. I mean, how, how many of you want to just surrender your burdens to him and say, hey, God, I want to make a trade with you, okay? My burdens for your hope and joy and peace. I'll make the trade with you, God. And God's like, I'll make that trade any day because he is a loving God. Would you stand, please? As you stand, I just want you to think about this. Say, right now, right where you're standing, are you willing to look to God and say, God, here are my burdens? This, this last year has been challenging or it's been joyful. It's all over the map for us emotionally, right? But maybe you've got something you say, well, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. Why are you making a New Year's resolution? Because I need to make some changes. So what do you need to change? What went wrong that you need to make right? And God says, let me help you with that. What burdens are you holding on to right now? Go ahead. When I pray... During that prayer, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you to go ahead and just say, God, take it. I make the trade today. You got sorrow right now. Pray that God gives you peace. You've got hope. Amen. Whatever it is you're dealing with, offer to him in prayer. Let him pour back on you. Let it overflow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. You give us good news, and as we look to the new year, God, we, we, you know, we want to make these New Year's resolutions. We get excited about a new year, but someone's like, I just hope it's not like last year. And God says, why? Why do you hope it's not like last year? Because, God, I'm tired of surgeries. I'm tired of fractures. I'm tired of, of anger, and I'm tired of this and that, and... Voice right now and say that, give it to me. Give it to me. I'll trade you. I'll take, I'll take your anger. I'll take your brokenness. I'll take your sorrow. Because I'm a God of hope. I'm going to give you my hope. I'm going to give you my joy. I'm going to give you my peace. It's going to overflow. And you're going to get doused with people around you they're going to see it they're going to feel it you're going to be dripping with so much hope you know, shake hands with people and they're going to say what have you got that's what we want God so we 
move forward in this new year. That's what we want. We want today. God, thank you for being that God of hope. You can say I was a faithful God in the past. I'm faithful today. You'll be faithful tomorrow. We believe that. We believe that. We want to sing to you, God, because we love you. We know you answer our prayers. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.